Welcome to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Ollie. And I'm Liam. And for those that don't know, or we've got any of our new listeners from somewhere in some crazy country around the world, each week we take a topic that we know very little about and we give ourselves just a week to read and research all about it. Uh, the idea being, we do all the hard work and then we just share with you what we feel are the most important pieces of information. Exactly. And just so everybody knows, Liam and I, we are not experts in anything that we talk about. This is just a summary of our reading and research. But hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you, we can all learn a little bit more about all sorts of things. Yeah, like this week, we, we learned something from the very start. So let's get on with this week's topic, Ollie, which is all about IKEA or IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ollie. This week, then. So we're learning about IKEA. Is how I would say it. I mean, you must know something about that before you start. It surely, I'm sure everybody listening must know something about IKEA. Yeah, definitely. I think I think people have some sort of idea about this place. It's the furniture shop, isn't it? Synonymous with flat pack furniture all around the world. But we don't actually know how you say it correctly, do we? Well, I think it's IKEA, but I might be wrong. Um, <laughs> you were telling me that, that that might not be the case, and and even their big cheese calls it different things. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not really that straightforward how to pronounce it. So we say in the UK and in the US, we say IKEA, IKEA, but the Swedish way of pronouncing it is more like IKEA. Did you hear any difference? <laughs> Right, our listeners in Stockholm must be loving that. Try again. That was really good. Ikea. Is that nice? <laughs> yeah, but they 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 actually as a company pronounce it differently, don't they? It depends yeah. on on you know, that's not us getting it wrong. They no. will call it IKEA when in this market, if you like. Um yeah, depending on um, which market they're addressing. So in the UK, even though all of us call it IKEA. On their adverts in the UK, it ends by saying shopping at IKEA. And then in the US, on all their adverts over there, it says IKEA. And weirdly, as you mentioned, their big cheese, their CEO, depending on the market that he's addressing or he's talking to, he actually uses both ways of pronouncing it, either IKEA or IKEA. So it's up to us, whichever one you want to go, William. Yeah, so that hasn't cleared anything up. All it's done is just muddy the water a little bit. I call it IKEA, so I'm going to go with IKEA for the rest of this. Sounds uh, good to me. And we don't need to be sounding like we're native Swedish. No. So the first thing I looked at was where on earth does the name IKEA came from? You know, I'm all about my etymology. And it turns out this is like this hasn't come from from like some Latin word or something like I actually thought it might have. Yeah. It's a bit more straightforward than that. So IKEA's founder. His name is Ingvar Kamprad, I-K, Ingvar Kamprad. He lived on a farm, and the farm was called Elmtarid. Elmtarid? So that's the E, right? So his name is Ingvar Kamprad of Elmtarid. And the farm near a village called Agunayarid, <laughs> which began with an A. So, so his initials were I and K. His farm began with an E, 
and the village began with an A. And he put all of those together and it became I-K-E-A, Ikea. Nice. And just run the village name by us again. <laughs> <laughs> just, just try and repronounce those words. <laughs> His name is Ingvar Kamprad. The farm he lived on was called Elmtarid. <laughs> the village was Agunarid. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds good enough to me. Sorry. I, I can't improve. Sorry, that. Sweden. <laughs> that's, our, that's like our, our weekly uh, language disclaimer. It's not because of swearing or whatever, it's pronunciations. Yeah, sorry, everybody. But yeah, IK, <laughs> his farm began with an E, his village began with an A. He, he decided to put them all together. I really so, like uh, it. That's where, the, where, where it came from. Cool there. So, it, so it's, yeah, actually an acronym, isn't it? rather than coming, like you say, from some sort of like Greek mythology or, or Roman or Latin that we always seem to find that words go back to. That was pretty cool. I like that. And as we said at the very top, surely everybody knows what we're talking about in terms of Ikea. It's the the massive blue furniture shops with the big yellow writing in, in spelling out Ikea and super famous for selling furniture. And they've been around for a little while. If we dig into just the the history of it. So this Ingvar Kampard, he actually started it in the 1940s and he was only about 17 years old, wasn't he? Yeah, he started out, he was selling matches, wasn't he? And wallets and pens and things like that. And then then his dad, he was doing well at school and his dad gave him a little bit of money and he basically started up a business from there, just just selling things. I think it was like through a catalogue, wasn't it? It was mail order. That's right. Um, and that's sort of where the IKEA catalogue came from. And yeah, he didn't start selling furniture to begin. This is 1943. He didn't actually start selling furniture until 1948. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. Like you were saying, just yeah, those those pens and wallets and picture frames and stuff. And then thought it'd be an idea to then actually start selling furniture. Yeah, he actually started selling furniture. It's quite an interesting reason, though. Did you read about because of the war? Oh, there was actually some thought behind it, wasn't there? Yeah, so after the war, the Swedish government had built lots of housing. So the war finished in 45, right? So they built all these, these houses and they were offering furniture, furnishing loans to people. You know, you've got this new house and we're going to help you out to furnish it. So, you know, he sort of struck upon an idea that actually furniture might be a way to go. Um, he lived in an area where there were a bunch of small furniture factories. So, you know, he didn't sort of come out of thin air to sell furniture you know there was some thought behind it but yeah it's 1948 uh, he introduced furniture into his um mail order catalog business yeah and so so it's still mail order up until this point and there wasn't a physical ikea shop until the late 1950s so they started issuing catalogs in 1951 and then they finally had a, a bricks and mortar shop in 1958 and the first ikea shop was opened in a small village of Elmhult in Sweden. <laughs> nice. And it's, nice. it's grown um, and grown from there, hasn't it? And it, I don't know if we just touched on some, maybe some of the, the basic facts about it, about it's gone from this guy selling a few bits and bobs, then introducing some furniture to becoming this global behemoth of an organisation. Did you read about where their self-service area came from quickly before we just get onto that? Oh, no. Go on. So when they opened up their shop, one of them caught fire, right? So they had this, they had this showroom with all this furniture in it and it caught fire. When they were trying to put it all back together, 
obviously everyone was so busy doing that. They just moved all the furniture to, to an area and they were just like to the customers, you know, serve yourself, get, go and get it yourself and then whatever, bring it to the tiller or wherever it might've been. And then they realized when they came to reopening the store that actually this, this self-service idea really took off. So it's just by total accident that they're trying to fix this thing. They've moved all their furniture to the side and let people serve, serve themselves. And, you know, now you walk around an Ikea and there's that ginormous self-serve bit at the end, isn't there? Yes. Yeah, nice. That's, that's where you got all the racking and everything and you just go and say, right, I want to get one of these off the shelves, one of these off the shelves. Yeah. And it's just from the fire and the trying to figure out how to yeah. work with customers back then. Yeah, oh, that that's really interesting. Cool. But yeah, some basics about the company. How many stores are there? So they've now got 466 stores operating in 63 countries, which is a lot. Yeah, that's a, that's many stores. Did you read how much money they made last year? This is mad. Or in, in sales? $45 billion worth of sales, which is about £37 billion. Pounds. It's enormous. Yeah. It's- mental they've got 225,000 people working for them they're consistently ranked in the top 10 retailers in the world so you know when we're talking about how how big ikea are they're up there with you know like amazon walmart those sorts of companies that we all know of ikea are right up there with them as well yeah and it has officially been the largest furniture retailer since 2008 it's not really a surprise. I'm not sure anyone would guess any other company sells more furniture than yeah. IKEA do, do they? <laughs> but people, yeah, what would you know it for? You know it for their their furniture and their cheap meatballs. <laughs> yeah, and their <laughs> flat packness. Well, that's a good one, isn't it? So their their flat pack that hasn't always been there from the very very start, has it? So that actually came about in 1956. Yeah, they had a, a guy working for them. Um, he's quite a big deal because he invented something called the Billy Bookcase, which I reckon everybody has seen. Have you got a Billy Bookcase in your house? I don't think we actually have, but it's crazy how many Billy Bookcases have been sold. Yeah, so he invented the Billy Bookcase. He also invented the logo. But one of the other contributions, Gillis Lundgren, was he was trying to take a table for a photo shoot, I think, or something, and he couldn't fit it in his car. Yeah. Someone suggested, well, why don't you just take the legs off? And it was like, Eureka, like, yeah. oh, hold on a minute. Oh, hold on, that's going to make it much easier to transport. How did nobody think of that? <laughs> yeah, he decided, yeah, removing, removing the legs made it way easier to transport it. And then they thought, hang on, if we just applied this to other, you know, other, other furniture that we have and what we're selling, it would cut down the transport price and cost massively and just make transporting of stuff a whole lot easier. So that's exactly what they yeah. started doing. So that actually came around in 1956. And the other thing that they brought around in 1956 was they opened their first restaurant as well, where you could start getting your meatballs from. Yeah, we'll talk about those in a minute. Just talking, actually, we said they made $45 billion. Did you read how much they made out in um, just from food? <laughs> yeah, go on, tell everybody. It's like more than $2 billion they make from food. Yeah. Ikea, $2 billion from food. And it actually then puts them in the top 10 of food outlets, in global food outlets, doesn't it? By how much food that they that's, sell. That's mental. <laughs> yeah. 
That's like that's that's just unbelievable. That is unreal. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think we'll talk about their restaurants and the meatballs perhaps a little bit later. Yeah, that sounds good. It's an important part to their their overall business. They got some interesting ways that they actually then go on and name their products, haven't they? Like you talking there about the Billy bookcase. I know that I've got some Calex units. Um, Calex, got- yeah, lack. You've got a lack table of you somewhere, probably. Everyone's yes. got one of those. The Poang chair. <laughs> you just sort of know them. But it's weird, though, like how we know their products by these names. And I, I quite like the, the story behind this, where, where we're talking about Ingvar Kamprad. He was dyslexic, and he wasn't able to easily identify the codes, the code numbers that they'd originally put forward for the, for the items. Yeah. So he wanted to come up with a better way of being able to recognise them, didn't he? Yeah, so <laughs> you teed me up to say this because, <laughs> yeah, so what he decided to just name them after like things because that's easier to remember, isn't it? If, you sure. Know, you can't very well, you can't very well remember a, a list of numbers and letters that represent that chair. Just give it a name of a thing and then you might remember it. Yes. Now, my... <laughs> My thing is, they've got such crazy names, but obviously those names are Swedish. So in, in Sweden, those names seem totally easy to remember, you know, like Johnny or Sarah. But, but the name, <laughs> it's so complicated. Yeah. Um, yes. Anyway, the answer is yes. He named them after things. So, for example, bookcases are, are typically named after Scandinavian boys' names in ikea so these these words they're actual words they're actually generally swedish or scandinavian names fabrics and curtains are scandinavian girls names for example you want to reel off a few more so yeah children's products they're always mammals or birds yep kitchen accessories they're either fish mushrooms or just other random adjectives yeah yeah exactly rugs tend to be danish place names uh sofas chairs and dining sets tend to be swedish place names yep um not entirely i did read that like disclaimer that that's not entirely completely true no there are odd odd ones where it doesn't quite hold but for the most part these things these are true yeah 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 which is a a much easier easier way of naming them isn't it if you can speak swedish or danish if you can speak swedish it's totally fine but otherwise how do i say the word fartig like what you know you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like Going that. Late. I quite like that. Right. Yeah, their, their whole naming convention has a little bit of thought behind it, which is pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, you can maybe learn a little bit of Swedish along the way. Yeah, I, but I think the most interesting thing I've learned this week is what we're going to talk about now is how they are successful. Oh. I think I think this this is the most interesting thing. Like, why... Why are IKEA so good, or why do they make so much money? Why are they the leading company at this? Like, there's got everyone else sells stuff. Why are they so good at it? And uh, you know, that's what we sort of went down that rabbit hole, didn't we? Each like pretty much the same. Yeah, and it all sort of wraps into a similar episode that we did. I think it was our second episode ever in series one, where we did an episode called "Why Do Casinos Always Win?" or "Why Does the House Always Win?" and basically ikeas they sort of seem like they're the casinos of the retail world don't they (laughs) yeah it's a casino for furniture that's what (laughs) it is 
The casino for selling furniture, not people playing roulette, because that's no, all it really is. There's just so many psychological tricks and hacks that they do to you that then makes you think that you want to buy even more. Or even if you think you want to buy some more, you end up buying some more anyway because of a whole load of other reasons. So it's... Yeah, the first, the first one, though, is, is an actual, it's a psychological effect that they've they've named after ikea it's called the ikea effect isn't it um and should we we start with this so like you you, go on you you can you can start it off so what what is this ikea effect that has been named after them yeah so it's yeah it was a study in 2011 dan ariely who's a super famous um behavioral economist and he realized that Consumers, they put a disproportionately high value on products that they've helped create. So this is coming back to the whole flat pack that we were talking about. So you buy this flat pack table or this flat pack unit and you've got to take it home. And when you take it home, there's always this little bit of like, oh, I need to assemble this now. I need to actually figure out how I want to build this. So you get all the bits out, get the pieces, you end up building it. That satisfaction you get after you've built it is this whole cognitive bias of the Ikea effect. And you just feel, wow. Yeah. That is a really good bookshelf that I've just built. How cool is that? That's an amazing yeah. chair. Like, ah, oh, yeah. It doesn't it. matter that it's wonky. <laughs> no, they found that, um, they found that subjects were willing to pay up to 63% more for furniture that they had assembled themselves than for the equivalent pre-assembled items. So you got to, you, you then put it side by side with with one that has already been built and, and people will, will pay more money for the one they built themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in this study that they did, this Harvard study in 2011, they, they ran it on a whole bunch of different things in terms of when you then build something yourself. They did, they got people to build little paper origami birds, cranes. Yep. And yeah, even in that, like it holds true in all sorts of scenarios where if you've contributed and actually building it and making it yourself, even though it doesn't look as good as a professional might have made it, you then, as Liam was saying, yeah, six pay, willing to pay 63% more for things that you've had a hand in making, which is mad, isn't it? Yeah. So, so basically, right. So Ikea are going to make money anyway, because people want to buy stuff that they have to make. Like they, they don't have to do it. All they've got to do is take the table apart and people will pay more money for it because they've got that sense of satisfaction having built it. Did you read about Betty Crocker quickly on the, on the very same, on a very similar thing, the, the, what they did? This is super interesting. I, I love this. So Betty Crocker make cakes, don't they? And they, they used to have instant cake mixes and they were, they were trying to work out how to sell more of them. And basically what they did was they took out like the powdered eggs and they said, right, you've got to put in two of your own egg, crack two eggs and put them into this powder. And that move alone made people feel like they were having to do a little bit more work to make their cake. And suddenly they've got, you know, they they like it more. That's amazing. And they were selling more cake. That's amazing. Like you feel like you've actually contributed rather than just pouring out the mix and mixing in some milk. You feel like you're a proper chef for cracking two eggs. Yeah, uh, they they don't know if that is that is a completely true story. By the way, um, there are there's evidence to suggest that is slightly edited from what it really is. But yeah, the, the point stands that you know as as humans, if we put a little bit of we have to do a little bit of labour, um, 
it, it adds value to the thing. So yeah, a bit like a bit like we said, like casinos are going to make money anyway because they've got a they've got a bias, they've got a percentage chance of winning. Like IKEA are going to make money anyway because because people want to buy these things. And then they then add in some a few yeah. more psychological tricks, don't they? So one of the ones that I quite liked, and when you think about this, you'll think, oh yeah, that is true. That where they locate the shops and the stores. They're never like in the center of a town. They're always a bit of a journey where you feel like you need to go and travel to actually get there. And this comes down to something else called the sunk cost fallacy. And this is where you've had to put effort in to get there. So it already feels like you've you know, put in some effort. And because I've traveled so far to get there, I don't want to leave empty handed. So it doesn't feel like a wasted journey. You've put in effort. You then make sure that you buy something. And so all of their shops are always located miles outside of town yeah that's nuts also they're a maze aren't they yeah they're an absolute maze exactly the same as a casino thing here right most shops typically in a shop when you walk around a shop you only tend to see about a third of a shop's inventory if you were to go into a supermarket and just walk around it you will only really see about a third of it ikea their layout is so maze-like and designed in such a way it's called a fixed path so you follow the arrows on the floor don't you but it takes you around almost all of their stuff and they're going to win by doing that because they're basically showing you everything yeah yeah massively it's so clever there's these huge guiding arrows on the floor and maps sort of telling you which way to go if you were to look at the maps closely then you'll see that there are cut-throughs so if you know you walk into one of the rooms and if you go right there'll be a little cut through and you can cut off a massive chunk of the sh- of the shop. Yeah. But there's all these arrows and like the floors pointing you to go left. <laughs> so you end up walking left which then takes yeah. you miles round rather than having to go through the little cut throughs and as you were saying when you see more of a shop they know from studies that you're more likely to buy more stuff. It's called it's called there's something called the Gruen effect which is basically you just get overloaded your brain is absolutely there's there's so much stuff to see you are massively overexposed to everything that you you just you sort of forget what you wanted in the first place and you just yes. you, you just start buying stuff also there's that fear of missing out isn't there about how you know you've got to walk so far what if you don't see that candle again yeah you almost like panic that you think ah oh, I've seen it and I know it'd be a, a load of effort to have to walk back and get this candle so I might as well put it in my basket and their baskets or their trolleys are enormous, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Who Psychological, isn't it? Who likes walking around with an enormous trolley? You know, it's like a double up from a supermarket, an enormous trolley with one candle in. Nobody. <laughs> you, you just throw stuff in. Yeah. And yeah, there's another thing called the... Do you read about the bulla bulla effect? The, this is brilliant. Think, yeah. So when you walk around Ikea, you'll see there's all these baskets that are absolutely jammed full of the same thing. So it, it, it gives the, the, the impression that there are loads of them. And because there's loads of them, they must be cheap. Do you know what I mean? Like, because there's a voluminous amount. So oh, I'll just grab one of those. You don't look at the price. Oh, that's an eight pound tea light thing then. And I'll just, I'll just throw it in. There's about a million of them in that basket. They must be cheap. You yeah. Know? Psychologically, our brains just can't weigh it up properly. And it's the, it's the opposite of scarcity. So we get drawn to scarce things. But for some reason, this buller buller effect of just seeing these bins jam-packed with cuddly teddies or balls or lampshades, whatever it might be, 
yeah, you just automatically think, well, that must be cheap. Yeah, go on then. I'll buy two of those. Just throw it in and not even look at the price. There's other things. Yeah. So there's there's no windows. I think that's a similarity to casinos. So yeah, you, you don't you don't necessarily know what time of day it is when you went in to when you come out. <laughs> just uh, been in there all day. Um, and then there's there's other things like they they've got we've mentioned it. They've got their in-store dining, haven't they? Which, uh, as you were saying, over yeah. two billion dollars. That's there for a reason, and they they put some serious thought into why they sell food. Their their head of food operations said in an interview I read somewhere, "We've always called the meatballs the best sofa seller we've got." That's brilliant. When you feed them, when you feed them, they stay longer. They talk about their purchases and they make their decision without leaving the store. I said to you, I'm one, I'm a thinker. Like I can't buy stuff. If it, you know, if it was a big sofa, I would have to go and have a think about it for a few days. Yep. But that thought would happen on a drive home. Yeah. By the time I've made my decision, I'm now at home. If I'm eating in the restaurant, I'm doing my thinking there, and then I'm discussing it with my wife. You know, we're talking about it without actually leaving the store. So by the time we've made a decision, we can go get it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And so it's it's so clever, so clever that they they deliberately have the the restaurants there to keep you in to think over those big decisions. I was reading with one of their their store creative directors was saying that twenty percent of purchases are based on logic, and eighty percent are purchased on emotion, and so that's why they okay. sort of set up the shop to then make you want to grab things and want to add things into this this trolley, fill it up, and, and make the most of it. I suppose what we haven't said as well, like the underlying fact about ikea is that it is actually good value so when you go there you know that you're not going to be paying like over the odds for a table or for a bookshelf and even though you're building it and this is maybe the ikea effect in my own head thinking well it's (laughs) quite quite good quality isn't it like all the stuff i've made is amazing (laughs) but there is there's an underlying value there isn't there it's it's good it's good value what you're buying you're not paying over the odds yeah, and it makes it easier for you to make those decisions. You know, if I'm debating whether or not to buy this sofa and I'm sitting eating my meatballs, well, the sofa's actually pretty good value for money. So it, they've already sort of half got a hook in me anyway because I'm already like, well, it's not that expensive. And <laughs> yeah. I know it's going to be decent. Do you know they make their products, that they choose a price point, then they make the product to get to that price. So they'll sit down and say, right, we need a £50 sofa. So some, go and make me a 50, go make me the best 50 pound sofa you can make me. Yeah. That's cool, isn't it? And they did the same with their, um, their lights. They've all, we'll talk about it in just a minute. They, all their lights are LED bulbs, but they didn't want to release them. So they had a one, I think it was one euro or maybe one pound or one dollar, one something um, like a, a one euro bulb. And they were like, right, we want a one euro, get me a one euro bulb. I want all our bulbs to be a euro. And That's they did cool. just have to engineer so them backwards. There's, there's a gap in the market for a, for a, 10 pound chair so if we're gonna have a 10 pound chair we need to have a 40 pound table yeah 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 make it to these to these costs and then figure it out no that's that's really good so yeah so there there are loads of psychological hacks and tricks that they play on people when they go into their their shops that maybe you'll just be a little bit more aware of when you go next time um but yeah the underlying value is and (laughs) yeah the underlying value is great and avoid the meatballs because you'll end up buying more stuff Yes, I, I, I was just going to say when you were talking about it, it's something to do with dopamine, isn't it? When you're eating, you, you know, you, your brain releases that like a feel good thing. And as soon yeah. as that happens, they, they've got you then, haven't they? Because you're in there feeling, oh, lovely. 
I got my mash and my meatballs. I didn't even get that sofa that I didn't really know if I sort of wanted. I only came <laughs> in here for a candle. <laughs> oh, brilliant. But they got they got some big plans coming up. So you're talking about them only selling LED light bulbs. It all links into, because they're so enormous and because they're using up so much resources, they're often looked at as maybe being a bit damaging to the environment or they haven't been looked at previously. So they've come yeah. up so, with some, some big pledges to make sure that they are actually going to be a sustainable company. So a sustainable company by 2030, they've got some pretty ambitious things just on, on the light bulbs there. So they only sell LED light bulbs because they're much more efficient and last longer. And they've been doing that um, since 2015. And so that's just a small thing that they've been doing. But in terms of they've been trying to make themselves, was it a, a circular company? Yeah, so, so it's all recyclable, isn't it? They, they want they call it they call themselves they want to be a circular company. So everything using circular principles. So the goal is to use only renewable or recycled materials in all products by 2030. Um, and they do this thing now. I don't know if you know where where you, they like buy back stuff off you. Oh, I didn't see this. So if you've got so if you've got an IKEA product at home, you can go online, tell them what it is, and they will give you a price for it. You don't have to you don't have to have the box or anything. You just take it back to them. They will check it. You know, almost like we buy any car. They will check it and say, right, yeah, we offered you thirty quid. We'll give you thirty quid for this. They give you a thirty pound IKEA voucher. So you can spend it in store and then they keep your the product. You know, it goes off into the like, bargain bin corner or whatever yes. to get yeah, reused yeah. or resold, which I think is pretty cool. But they've got loads of pledges like zero emissions on all deliveries, reducing their carbon footprint. Yeah, lots basically. Single use plastic as well, getting rid of all single use plastic throughout all of their, their shops. And I, I suppose like when you open up the box and there's a load of screws in there. It normally comes in a little yeah. plastic bag, so trying to get rid yeah. of all of their single-use plastics. But all in terms of, of batteries, are we, do you read all of their batteries are rechargeable? They don't sell non-rechargeable batteries anymore. Uh, okay, yeah, that's really good. And then I suppose the other like elephant in the room type thing that we're talking about with regards to being sustainable is just the amount of wood that they use. So what they're pledging to do as well is to try and have all of their wood, or ninety-nine and a half percent of their wood be either recycled or from something called the Forest Stewardship Council certified. So basically it just means that um, it's coming from sustainable resources and given how many yeah. Billy bookshelves and Calex units and everything they're selling. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. That, that makes, that makes really good sense. They're also, they're also investing big time in renewable energy and they're trying to get like almost neutral energy. They like that. It's all coming from renewable. They've invested two and a half billion dollars into renewable energy they've got as a company they've got 534 wind turbines and over 700,000 solar panels and you know we've, we've learned how much electricity though they can generate um in a previous podcast about wind turbines just yes. throw that one in there yeah we did but yeah so you know i think that it seems like they're going the right way but yes. what do i know about you know this is, this is like one of the top 10 companies in the world retailers so i mean this is on a massive scale i guess yeah, absolutely enormous. But yeah, fair play. Fingers crossed. Maybe we revisit in 2030 and just see if they've kept up with their pledges. I know when we did our Lego episode as well, they've got some serious pledges to make themselves more sustainable with their plastic Lego bricks. Nice. There's um, there's um, just a, a whole bunch of cool facts about IKEA. Should we just reel off some of those quickly? Yeah, any of these could have been a takeaway. Do you know that one in 10 Europeans is thought to be conceived on an IKEA bed? <laughs> 
That's a good one. Um, do you know that they sell approximately a billion meatballs a year? <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. I probably, but now I probably don't eat anywhere near any percent of that because that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I read they had a couple of issues moving into some other markets. So obviously IKEA, you know, when they go into a market, uh, they, they need to consider where they are. When they went to Japan originally, like Japanese places are typically really small, aren't they? So yes. it didn't really take off. They actually, they actually went into Japan and then they actually pulled out for like 20 years while they had to readjust and work out exactly what it was the Japanese marketplace wanted because they sort of they went in a bit you know they didn't want all this big stuff so they couldn't oh, do no. that That's when cool. they went into Philadelphia they couldn't work out why all of their vases were being sold like boatloads of vases going and the glasses were not and it's because in America everybody has these giant ice drinks you know like where it's yes. hot it's huge iced tea or whatever well their glasses they sell were just not doing it so everyone's buying the vases <laughs> Like, like as glasses. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. The person who um, figured that out. I've got another meatball one for you, though. It seems like I got stuck on meatballs this week. So they're, they're Swedish meatballs. They're the IKEA official Twitter account admitted in 2018 that they're not actually from a Swedish recipe. Ah, boo. Oh, no. So they're actually based on a recipe from King Charles VII in, from England. Um, back in the 1700s based on turkey so yeah so they're actually actually a british menu rather than swedish that surprised me i'd like to see the factory that makes those though a billion is there one factory do you reckon just makes them all just pumping them out so you can... and, they, and they are and they are going to have a vegan version of their meatball being released by the end of this year oh we did a vegan episode see we can talk a little bit about everything now if you've been <laughs> listening to us from the start you're starting to learn a little bit about all kinds of things <laughs> Do you know you can buy IKEA flatback homes? Yes. Yeah. Whole they're also, they're, yeah, they're almost, they're not quite flat pack. They come prefab, prefabricated. They, they work with a company called, uh, it looks like Block Lock, but I think it was that Bluke Luke. And um, they've made about 12,000 of them so far. Um, yeah, and you can buy a home there. They're about $80,000. Um, and you can just buy whole flatback homes. Um, I think in America, you can buy, like, you know, they have the tiny homes on trailers. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like we have teamed up with another company to make these like already made tiny little homes that are just on the back of a trailer. But yeah, that's cool. And just go, going back to their Billy bookcase. So they reckon that Billy bookcases are in 60 million homes already and they sell 3 million more every year. I've got two. So <laughs> yeah, two of them are mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a big... um like an online community of people like upscaling, what's it called? Upcycling Ikea products. Yep. So you buy the cheap thing and then you do something to them. There's loads and loads of videos and hacks and things on that. So if you fancy, just have a look at those. Some of them are good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that sort of like wraps up the most important information that we've figured out from this week. How Andy. about, Liam, why don't you hit us with your two guys, one topic takeaway? This is a good one. Short but sweet, Okay. Were you joking? Or joking? We were saying earlier about how much wood IKEA uses, right? Well, did you know IKEA uses one percent of the world's entire wood supply? One percent of all IKEA use one percent of all of the wood in the world. That of all the wood absolutely incredible. One percent. Apparently, they consume about a tree every second. Okay. 
Wow. But, I mean, that's a lot of wood, isn't it? That's, that's boatloads. 1% of the world's global wood. Wow, that's incredible. Nice. I like that. Yeah. That's a nice, easy one to remember. My two yeah. guys, one topic takeaways, a, a pretty simple one as well. So do you know there are more copies of the IKEA catalogue that are printed than the Bible? <laughs> By how many? What in a year? What are we talking? Yeah, so it's it's about a hundred million Bibles every year and 180 million IKEA catalogues every year. <laughs> that's quite a lot more than yeah yeah that's a bit of a surprise for me yeah i wonder are they going to stop doing it though is the ikea catalog done for don't know yeah you'd, you'd probably think so i was reading that in 2019 ikea.com had just under three billion visitors oh not many of them <laughs> no that's not yeah okay right could you talk about IKEA now, Ollie? Ah, oh, yeah, I definitely could. One of my f- favourite things is what we covered right at the start. There is where the name came from. I don't know if you just want to yeah. run people through the the four words again. Uh, yeah, I, don't really, I don't really want to. I don't really want to. If I'm honest, you no, don't really want to. <laughs> but yeah, no, so I'm all right. It's uh, yeah, where, where the name came from. That's a pretty cool story. I liked about how the whole when you wander around an Ikea next and you'll be helping yourself to some flat pack stuff at the end, like picking it off the shelves yourself, where you told the story that it was all came about because of a fire that happened in one of their shops. I like that. That's pretty cool. And then just, just the enormity of it and all those hacks and psychological tricks that they, they get you to yeah. then buy even more stuff. How about yourself? I really liked the part, learning about the psychology, learning that it's basically a casino. Okay, a casino is going to win because they have an edge. They've got a percentage chance of winning anyway. They're going to win regardless. And then they make you spend even more money with all of these psychological hacks inside the casino. That is exactly what IKEA is. They're yeah. going to sell stuff anyway because people like buying stuff that they've got to put together. That's just a fact. But then when you're in there, you're going to buy even more because they've applied all of these ridiculous psychological tricks to you. Yeah, and I, yeah I just think – I think. Ikea and casinos are one and the same thing. That'd be my takeaway. <laughs> yeah. If you've not listened to our, our casino episode, go and listen because well, I've sort of given it away now. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. The, the comparisons are definitely there. Coupled with, as we were saying, the underlying good value that you get from it. But yeah, yeah. What, what an interesting topic this week. We hope that everybody listening has enjoyed that as much as Liam and I have. Don't forget, we're asking everybody to try and share some knowledge and pass the podcast to your friends in some of the more obscure countries around the world. So we've we've tipped over 100 different countries where people listen to. So thank you very much for that, for everybody who's listening. If you could let us know where you're planning on sharing some knowledge or with some friends in some different countries, that'd be great. Get in contact with us at Two Guys One Topic at Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. And we look forward to hearing from you. We'll be back with you next Tuesday with another topic get out there and share some IKEA IKEA knowledge